Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Smartpeoplepodcast.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Smart People Podcast. It's the same two hosts as always, Chris and John. We're trying to keep these intros short to get you to the good stuff. I'm going to tell you today we're speaking with Carmine Gallo. Carmine was awesome. This is one of those interviews. We talk about this a lot, but we knew from the beginning, nice guy, smart guy. It's going to be a good one. Could have talked to him for hours. Yeah, and it didn't disappoint. So Carmine is... The communications coach for the world's most admired brands, he helps top executives and business leaders craft and deliver their corporate stories. He is an internationally best-selling author and renowned keynote speaker. He graduated from Northwestern University and spent 15 years in journalism as a television anchor, host, and correspondent for several media outlets, including CNN in New York. His books have been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Success Magazine, Bloomberg. He writes for Forbes. His most recent book is the one we really hone in on. It's called Talk Like Ted, The Nine Public Speaking Secrets of the World's Top Minds. And John also has a fun session talking to him about Steve Jobs for 10 minutes or so. Yeah, not only did he write a lot of stuff about Steve Jobs, but he also was an anchor over at Tech TV, oh. which if you remember, I used to watch that in college and get made fun of pretty much every single day. I do remember that. So we're going to really turn it over to Carmine. Thanks for listening. Feel free to reach out. You know where to find us, smartpeoplepodcast.com. And there's a bunch of things you can tell us. You like us, you don't like us. 
rate us, follow us, all that good stuff. No, use, I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let you. Use that Amazon banner when you do your shopping on Amazon. Smartpeoplepodcast.com. Use it. He took it out of my hands. Sorry, And guys. as you know, we have a sponsor this week. That's right. It's Audible. Really, guys, they're supporting us. If you want to learn more about them, you know what to do. Here is Carmine Gallo. Carmine, first, thank you so much for being on the show. We know how busy you are. You've built a fantastic business, and we want to talk about everything that you do. First thing we really want to dive into is, can you give us an idea of what you do and how you got there? You know, the, the steps that you took to become successful in your industry. Well, thanks for inviting me. I'm a communication coach, so I work with executives to help them tell their stories, their brand or product stories, more effectively, more persuasively. Uh, And I like to say that I work with executives whose products touch your life every single day. That's the fun part of what I do. Every single week, I'm working with a different brand or a different product. And I see and touch and, and use these products every day. The internet, that the network that we are having this, that we are recording this podcast on, the computers that we are using, the flash memory that those podcasts are being downloaded to, all of the this technology is being produced by companies whose CEOs and other executives I work with. Uh, so it's it's been very exciting for me. That's what I do now. I got into this because I started actually in college, uh, started studying journalism, well, went to journalism school at Northwestern at Medill, uh, then spent about 15 years as a broadcast journalist. And I realized, especially when I was working at CNN in New York, I was doing business news. And I realized that the people who were the ones who were invited back time and time again, every week, you, you always had the same cast of characters, the same people. They were the ones who were not necessarily the brightest in business, but they were the best communicators. And that's when I realized the importance of communication as a career advantage. That's a fantastic point that you made. And we didn't talk about this prior to the show, but a while ago we interviewed a woman, Christine Clapp, and she does a similar thing that you do. And she said the same thing. You know, the people that are leading the charge, who are changing lives, who are innovating are the ones that can disseminate their content the best. And oftentimes that's through personal interaction. So it's really a key regardless of what field you're in. I like to say that you are, especially in the next few years, uh, especially in the next decade, you're only as successful as your ideas. And those people who can communicate their ideas more persuasively who can share those ideas and sell themselves in a way that captivates their listeners, inspires people. They're the ones who are going to stand apart. And I I see that every day. I get emails and calls from a number of people who who have either read my books or they've read my columns or who I've come to know uh, who are elevated within their companies, major companies. And they are Uh, their career trajectory is moving much, much faster than they otherwise would be because primarily they can give a great presentation where people understand them better. They're just much more persuasive communicators. Uh, Actually, uh, Warren Buffett, the billionaire Warren Buffett, had a great video. There's There's a little clip on YouTube. He was actually talking to a class of business students. I believe they were from Columbia. So he's talking to a class of business students. 
And he challenged them. He said, I will give any of you $100,000 in return for 10% of your future earnings. If you are a good public speaker, I'll give you 150000 Wow. Yeah, so communication is, is essential. And so few people think about it. And that's why I think those people who can present well, communicate well, speak well, will stand out. And, you know, I want to talk about a number of things, your books and how we can all benefit from what you teach. But you mentioned the companies that you have consulted for and work with. And it's right there at your website, CarmineGallo.com. You know, it's Hyundai and Coca-Cola and Pfizer and LinkedIn. I mean, Fortune 100, Fortune 50 firms. And I always like talking to people that work with these firms and trying to figure out from a little man's perspective, such as ours, we look at these firms as these giants, these conglomerates. But when you go in and you're, you know, one man and you're trying to explain to them how to communicate, do you see trends or do they have the same fears that we do about presenting? Are there, there key things that you try to tell, you know, the CEO of the most, one of the biggest companies on, on the planet? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think there are some very common problems across all brands, whether they're large brands or they're small brands. And we see this happening all the time. If you go to a major conference and you watch product launches, for example, uh, you'll find that there are some people who can just blow away the crowd, uh, really inspire an audience. But most of the time, the presentations fall flat. Uh, so even if you are a top executive or the CEO of a major company, maybe you got there because you're an operational genius uh, or you are you come from the engineering ranks and technology. That happens a lot with many of my clients. But they haven't really thought about being the face of the company. As a small business, as an entrepreneur, that's even more important for you because that's all you've got is the ability to present well to communicate well in a way that really inspires people. I heard from a young man not too long ago, who was a recent graduate from UC Davis, uh, and actually graduated in, in the summer of 2013. And he had read some of my columns, and he really focused on being a better presenter. And I guess he didn't get the memo that it's very hard for young people these days to find good jobs right out of college. <laughs> he didn't get the, he, he lost, that memo got lost in his email. <laughs> Uh, but he really practiced the skill of like the elevator pitch, taking a product and really being able to communicate the value of that product, say, in 30 seconds. When he walked into his third interview, he had three interviews, uh, first two didn't make it, third interview, he got a pretty good position in San Francisco. And the reason why is because, and they told him, you can pitch our product better than our own salespeople. Can we record you? Wow. Please. He, they actually asked, can we record you to show our sales folks how to pitch our product? So it was a direct result of elevator pitch, learning how to communicate. So whether you are right out of college or you're the CEO, everyone, everyone has room to improve their communication skills. You know, you mentioned presentations falling flat, and I think there's no better perfect example than what happened yesterday or the day before at CES where Michael Bay was giving a speech about a Samsung TV launch and he kind of had a I don't want to say like meltdown or anxiety or, or whatever it was and ended up walking off the stage 
And this morning, I follow you on Twitter, and I noticed that you wrote an article on Forbes about this and kind of explained how you can avoid this type of event happening. Can you just give our listeners an idea of what happened and then how to avoid that catastrophic situation from happening? That's a perfect example. And I don't want to pile, sometimes I don't like to pile on when people have, uh, you know, an, an embarrassment because public speaking is hard. All of us get nervous to an extent about speaking, and, and especially if you're behind the scenes, like, say, a movie director in, in the particular case you're describing, and all of a sudden to be put in front of 4,000 people, maybe just wasn't used to that. Uh, but what had happened is that he is a spokesperson for Samsung. And this particular movie director, who I guess is fairly famous because he directed tra the Transformers line, he appeared on stage as part of a new product launch for a Samsung television. And the teleprompter, which kind of surprises me. I, I, I didn't know that a lot of people still use a prompter <laughs> for basic things, okay? They asked him a couple of questions, just real basic questions, uh, like, uh, tell us how this new television is going to improve watching movies at home. Uh, something anybody could answer, right, if you're in the industry. Uh, but it wasn't on the prompter, or the prompter uh, failed to advance. I think that was the problem. And he literally stopped, said, uh, excuse me, and walked off the stage. So it was a really big embarrassment for him, of course, but also for Samsung. Uh, they put a lot of money into these product launches, uh, more money than you could actually uh, imagine. They're, these are like over $100,000 in audio, video, and presentations. And I know that because I've worked with some of these brands. It's a ton of money, and plus in publicity and marketing. So these are the type of things that can be easily avoided, especially with practice. Most people do not practice their presentations. They don't practice effectively. Uh, for example, I, I mentioned that young man who had graduated college. He practiced his elevator pitch for about eight hours before the interview. So he had it down. He had it nailed. I had worked with an executive from a very, very big technology company two years ago for, who launched a major new product at CES. And halfway through his product launch, the computer crashed. He had paid for a presentation design firm $20,000 to create a PowerPoint. It was this beautifully designed animation, right? And uh, it uh, crashed halfway through because of the computer. But because he had practiced much, much more than he ever would have practiced before he had met me, uh, I think he probably would have just looked at his slides on the airplane on his way to Vegas. Instead, I had him practice for a month. Uh, he was able to very casually continue the conversation. And the people in the audience who I talked to, I actually talked to a couple of people who had been in the audience, they didn't even know anything was, was wrong. Uh, so practice is something that most people, most business professionals actually don't do. That's a surprising fact, but I'm sure one that you've seen firsthand and is, is an important thing for anyone looking to present. I wanted to now dive in. I mean, your book, your newest book, Talk Like Ted, jumped out to me. I'm a huge fan of TED Talks. It's what made me interested in everything. It's kind of one of the ideas that sparked the podcast. And so I want to I wanna talk to you about that. Talk like Ted, the nine public speaking secrets of the world's top minds. And you had mentioned that passion plays a very important role in what you learned. And, and you discussed that early on in this book. Could you tell us about that? I think passion is everything 
ever since I started as a communication coach, I realized that those people who are the most inspiring leaders, and you can think about this yourselves, guys. Think about someone who you have met or someone who you have seen speak or someone you've worked with who you consider inspiring. You actually use the word, that person was inspiring to me. More often than not, that person probably had an abundance of passion for what they did. Passion is contagious. We actually can prove this scientifically now. There have been a number of studies out, and frankly, a lot of my book, the Talk Like Ted book that you're uh, referring to, does have a lot of science behind it. I really spent time trying to understand science. Uh, I did talk to researchers who say that there are a number of studies that show that passion is contagious. You don't even know why you may like somebody, but if that person is enthusiastic, energetic, they have a smile on their face because they, are, they can't wait to share their material with you, that actually influences your perception of that person and their product. So passion is very important. But the thing about passion is you have to dig deep to identify what it is that you're truly passionate about. So, for example, when I interviewed Howard Schultz, one of my first interviews as a communications author, I interviewed Howard Schultz, the founder of Starbucks. And I realized over a two-hour interview that he rarely mentioned the word coffee. And finally, I asked him, well, aren't you? it doesn't seem like that's what you're passionate about. He said, well, you're right. I like coffee. But what I'm truly passionate about is creating a workplace that treats people with dignity and respect, a workplace that my father never had the opportunity to work for. That's what motivates me and that drive toward better customer service and customer relations. And that's when I realized something. It, it completely changed the way I look at communication. You need to identify what business you're really in. Starbucks was in the business of the product is coffee. That's the product. But the business is customer service. And so you have to identify what it is that you're really talking about. Dig deep to identify what you are truly passionate about. And it's usually not the obvious. It's not the product. It's what the product means to the lives of your listeners. That will make the biggest difference. That story about Starbucks literally gave me goosebumps because they're one of those companies and every company has their negative press and their positive press, but they have moved the needle. Them and companies like Costco, and you can see they do it because they believe it. It's not a marketing stunt. And that's one of the main reasons they succeed. And to say that it comes from passion, one of the things that I believe is a guiding force in my life and many people that I know, it makes me feel good inside. But John wanted actually to have a follow-up here. I look at some of these CEOs and speakers and stuff, and when I think passionate, the person I think of the most is Steve Jobs, and I still go back and watch the original iPhone launch probably every couple months or so because it is, it's such an inspiration to me of just how he had everybody in his hands. And you wrote another book called The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs. Can you talk a little bit about Steve Jobs and just how he was able to captivate people so much and just really get people excited about everything that he had to pitch. Steve Jobs, in my opinion, is still the world's most astonishing business communicator. He, he's, he's the gold standard in my mind. That's, I, that's why I wrote the book on, on Steve Jobs and his presentation style. Uh, despite all of these great presentations that we can see on TED.com or on YouTube uh, or, or live uh, at conferences, 
Steve Jobs is uh, he, he's tough to beat. <laughs> he mm. really is. Uh, he had obviously he lived it. I mean, he was very very passionate about not so much about the hardware, but how the hardware could un what he would call unleash human creativity, hmm. unleash human capital, really spark your imagination and make the world a better place. That's why when he walked on stage, he always had a smile on his face. I mean, he was abundantly passionate about what they could do. But there were a lot of techniques that Steve Jobs used in delivering a presentation. And I agree with you. The 2007 launch of the iPhone is one of the best business presentations. It's the best that I have ever seen. So please go to YouTube, look it up, and you'll see what I mean. Uh, but there were very specific techniques that he used. One, he practiced a lot. He practiced many, many, many hours over many days, sometimes four hours at a stretch on stage. To, he knew everything. He knew exactly what was going to be on the slide, what he was going to say, how he was going to lead into a demo. He knew everything. Everything was, on, was down packed. Uh, but it was also very visual. Steve Jobs, in, in my opinion, was really one of the first people to build on this visual display of information. He did not use PowerPoint. He uses Apple Keynote, of course. <laughs> but, it, but whether you use PowerPoint or Keynote, the point is that it was very visual. There were very few words on a Steve Jobs slide. There were no bullet points. All of us, most of us in business today are very used to a title slide with bullet points. And yet there were no, and yet when we look at the person considered the best business presenter, Steve Jobs, he never used bullet points. So it's very important to look at the way Steve Jobs presented information uh, in a way that was surprising and interesting and shocking. Uh, for example, the iPhone presentation, that was a surprising introduction. Everybody expected him to introduce three products because right. that's what he said he would do. He was going to introduce a, an MP3 player, a, a phone, and an internet communications device. And he repeated those three devices, those three products, over and over until finally he said, don't you get it? That's uh -huh. not. These are not three separate devices. It's one device, and we're calling it the iPhone. That was stunning. It was unexpected. It was surprising. But make no mistake, Steve Jobs, and I know this is a fact because I know the folks who worked at Apple with his presentations – thought about how are we going to communicate this story, this product story, in a way that's going to capture everyone's imagination. Look at it now. They completely captured the world's imagination. It's amazing. We recently got an email from a listener that just said, I love the authors you have on. I always want to read their books. And then it's impossible to keep up with all the books I want to read. So instead, why not just use Audible? You can download the book to any device. You can carry it wherever you go. There's over 150,000 titles. You can listen on your iPod, your iPhone, Kindle, Windows Phone, and you own the book. It's not a streaming thing. It's yours to keep. I was listening to Talk Like Ted by this week's guest, Carmine Gallo, and my mind was blown because of a feature that Audible has called Whisper Sync for Voice. I was able to go from listening in my car to reading on my Kindle at home. How awesome is that? So it like syncs up directly. It syncs both of them together. You don't miss a word. It's pretty crazy. And the kicker is if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash smart people, you get a free audiobook of your choice. So you can listen to 
any of our authors, a free 30-day trial membership, and you help support the show. With Audible's great listen guarantee, you cannot go wrong. Here's how it works. If you decide you don't like the book you chose, no worries. You can exchange any book you aren't happy with for another title anytime and no questions asked. So as I mentioned, Audible's offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash smart people and get started. Quick follow-up to the Steve Jobs presentation skills. Do you see anybody that kind of shows glimpses of Steve Jobs now? Like, is there anybody that you think is on their way to becoming the type of presenter that he was? I see glimpses in a lot of people. Um, it's, ve- it's very hard for one person to have the whole package. Hmm. Uh, I'm still searching. So if you, <laughs> hmm. if you have any ideas, let me know. But I, I, I do have to tell you, in terms of presentation design, watch Apple presentations. Uh, Apple is very, very good at taking their live product announcements and posting them uh, either live or recorded on their website. And the presentation style is still exactly, the template is exactly the same as when Steve Jobs uh, would deliver presentations. And there are some people at Apple who are delivering those presentations now that I think are exceptionally good speakers. And you'll notice Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, he'll only begin the presentation. Uh, He knows what he doesn't know. Uh, (laughs) That is not necessarily his, his strength. So he actually gives it, He'll, he'll pass it off to some really amazing speakers at Apple who take most of the product launch. Yeah, it's crazy to think because, you know, they've replaced Steve with Tim Cook at the beginning and then other members like Johnny Ive and Phil Schiller. It just goes to show how great of a presenter Steve was that now you've got three or four guys that are having to do the presentations. I've watched Tim Cook give a presentation. Tim Cook is actually a very – he's very passionate. Uh, he's very polished. The slide designs are gorgeous. He, unfortunately, he's being compared to Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> if Steve Jobs had not existed, you would say Tim Cook is awesome. <laughs> right. But if you come and it, now here's the whole point. Let, let's get the, to the broader issue. Whether it's Steve Jobs or Ted, the reason why I write about this is because you are being compared to Steve Jobs. You are being compared to a TED Talk. And I have heard this from many, many business professionals because people will come up to me and they'll say, Carmine, I'd like to be more this style. I'd like to be more like Steve. Or I just saw this TED Talk and that was really good. I'd like to be more like that. Or people in the audience will actually say, and I've heard this uh, as well, people will say about a presenter Uh, Gosh, that wasn't really that good. It wasn't as good as like those TED Talks I see. TED Talks are being viewed 1.5 million times a day. They've been viewed more than 1 billion times. And they are among the best presentations that you'll ever see. And so people are getting accustomed to this new, fresh, bold, visual, interesting, inspiring way of presenting a story. So if you show up with an old standard boring PowerPoint slide – you know, it's it's not going to stand out as much. No, it's true. So Steve, besides giving us Apple, has given us a lot more work to do when we're on stage. <laughs> but if I, if I let John go on about Steve Jobs, he'll literally talk to you all day. So I wanted to dive into Talk Like Ted. I mean, again, the title alone grabbed me, but 
Can you kind of give us the meat of it? You know, I'm sure you've lived this now. You've done hours and hours, over 100 of research on TED Talks. So what did you find? What's the real meat of the TED Talk secret? I spent 150 hours uh, watching the presentations, breaking down the presentations. But what really taught me a lot about TED presentations is I interviewed some of the people who have been who have delivered the most successful TED presentations, the ones that have received up to 20 million views. So I actually spoke to those people directly and I interviewed neuroscientists and academic researchers who study the science of persuasion and communications. So I wanted to find out why certain things work so well. And what I found is that all great TED Talks and all great presentations, period, okay, this applies to whether or not you're ever going to give a TED Talk. It applies to your very next presentation. All great presentations have three areas or criteria. They are emotional, they're novel, and they're memorable. So I just want to break down each of those three areas one by one, just briefly. One, all great presentations are emotional. They touch my heart before they reach my head. They're emotional through the use of stories. They're emotional through the use of passion that we just talked about. We could talk about storytelling in a minute. They're also novel. They teach me something new. A neuroscientist told me that our brains are programmed to look for something new, fresh, something that stands out. And then he gave me a great line. He said, something that looks delicious. There is a reason why you liked like the first day of school and you open the new textbook. We need to learn something new. Uh, There was something very interesting in the way people like Steve Jobs would give presentations because he taught us something that we didn't know before. So you always have to be thinking about what am I going to teach people that they don't already know? How am I going to make it novel, unique, unexpected? And the third component that all great presentations share is memorable. So they're emotional, they're novel, and they're memorable. And I can give you some very specific techniques of how to make a presentation memorable uh, that are very common among TED Talks. Those were fantastic. I'm like, okay, I want to jump in on all of them. So emotional, hard beforehead stories. Storytelling is something I'm extremely passionate about. That's like an oxymoron, but it's because they stick with you. And I've heard a number of reasons why. How do we tell better stories? How do we incorporate storytelling in our lives and really master that skill? Oh, you're going to love what I learned then if you're already into storytelling. Oh, yeah. When I I learned from a researcher at Princeton University who's actually doing research with using brain scans, when I tell you a story, if I were to tell you a personal story um, about my father or something that had happened to me, the same areas of our brains light up, which means that we are literally in sync with each other. Stories are somehow connected to the way we evolved. It's the way we connect with each other. And yet in business presentations, nobody tells stories, do they? It's all about the data, the facts, the analysis, the product, right? It's not emotional. Uh, So stories are very emotional. Let me give you a great example. I interviewed a man named Brian Stevenson. If you go to TED.com and look up Brian Stevenson, he has one of the most popular TED Talks ever given. Uh, And he is a civil rights attorney. Uh, who actually wins cases in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. 
uh, he talks about some rather controversial issues. So he said, he told me that in order to connect with people, I have to tell stories. He told three stories in 18 minutes. They were simple stories. They were stories about his grandmother. They were stories about people that he had met. Uh, and he always, always tied the stories into his central theme. But it was very little data and mostly stories. 65% of his 18-minute presentation was made up of stories. He received the longest standing ovation at TED. He also was successful in soliciting about a million dollars to his nonprofit from that TED audience because he was so persuasive. Why was he persuasive? He didn't give a lot of evidence. He gave stories. He told stories. Stories are very powerful. They're underappreciated and completely underused. It's crazy to think about, too, because as you mentioned, those are the things that as humans meant for connection – we grasp onto because there's a there's an ebb and a flow to stories. And so I think it's becoming more mainstream. Are you seeing that, that people are understanding the strength of storytelling? I think people are understanding it on a pretty big brand level mm -hmm. as well, because now I'm starting to see ads for McDonald's, for example. <laughs> and, and it's the stories of the farmers who make the food that goes into the uh, into the hamburgers, you know. So it's all about storytelling now. I'm seeing much more of it. Yes, yeah, storytelling. Storytelling is a is definitely a trend among big brands and advertising. I believe it should be a trend among the people listening. Uh, tell sure. more stories in your everyday presentations. Now let's get into a little nitty gritty here. If I'm somebody listening to this podcast right now and maybe I have a presentation for some reason, I've met a bunch of people that present in ways you don't think about it. So I met a woman who works for the um, FDA and she has to present her case to other members of the organization. Um, somebody who worked for the DEA who had to present cases, you know, like drug and firearm related cases. Mm -hmm. For these people out there, what are some tips the average Joe can use to start crafting their presentation? Because I think when you start with a blank sheet, that's the hardest part. Yes, uh, I, you're absolutely right. I don't like starting a presentation by opening the presentation tool, <laughs> whether you're using PowerPoint or Keynote or Prezi. You know, Prezi is very popular these days. 90% uh, of us plus use PowerPoint. So let's stick with that. Uh, I don't open PowerPoint. I go to a whiteboard or take out a yellow legal pad, start sketching. Start writing down your ideas. What is the narrative? The slides complement the narrative, but the slides are not your presentation, which is why, and I want to talk about this in a second, we have to talk about the visual display of information. But it's your story first. Uh, what is the problem that you're solving? Steve Jobs was brilliant at this. Uh, he, also, he always talked for about two minutes on the problem that the new product would solve. I call that introducing the villain before the hero, right? Every great story has to have a hero and a villain. So think about that. What am I trying to get across? What is the one thing that I want my audience to know? How am I going to support the one key message? What examples am I going to use? What stories am I going to tell? What is the problem that I'm solving? What are my heroes and villains? Sketch it out, whiteboard it. Uh, be more creative. And then you can decide, how am I going to complement this visually? Do I need a demonstration? 
uh, do I even need slides? Or is there something completely different that I'm going to use? If I do use slides, what pictures am I going to use? That's called picture superiority. We remember and recall information much more effectively when it's presented in pictures instead of text. So the story comes first. The slides complement the story. Perfect. And then I do actually, it's, I'm glad you, you brought it up. Visual display of information is tough for anyone who's put together a PowerPoint. I struggle with it. John's actually very good visually and uh, with that type of creation. So I ask him for his help. Do you have any tools, resources, tips to create a, a better visual story to accompany your message? Yeah, cheat. <laughs> if you if you go online uh and i've given some ted like presentations uh, i gave one a la web in paris that you can look up very easily uh you'll see a pretty stunning presentation slides that they're built in keynote i had nothing to do with them i outsourced them <laughs> yeah yeah but when you have and i'll uh, I'm being open about this. Sure. And you have a mission-critical presentation or you have a presentation that has to be delivered by a group of salespeople uh, to potential clients. It's okay to hire a professional. There are a lot of people out there who are very skilled in PowerPoint design. They're very good. They're freelancers. So go ahead and look for people either within the company or outside the company who might be more creative or artistically minded than you. It's good to have a group of people thinking about it. So absolutely, go out there and hire somebody or at least tap into some people who might be more artistic and creative. No, it's great advice. And you know, another thing regarding your book, Talk Like Ted, I'm wondering, I'm a big fan of themes and, and looking at the overall, what, what you discovered. And so you mentioned the emotional, novel, and memorable. Were, were there common things? I mean, Ted has a very structured thing. It's 18 minutes long, and it's supposed to be stories and everything. Common things you realized that people did poorly in TED Talks as opposed to did well. I mean, I know you didn't, you didn't that's very, concentrate you know, that's on that. That's a very interesting question because I think I've focused on, <laughs> exactly. on obviously the best case scenarios, right? The best. There are plenty of TED Talks that are just – Okay, they're not that great. Sure. Uh, there's like 1,600 TED Talks. I mean, obviously, the ones that are the best are the best for a reason. Uh, so that's where I like to benchmark. Uh, but there are many, many either TED Talks or presentations that I see every day that are just mediocre. A lot of that is not so much that they're not telling stories or maybe even they have nicely designed slides. It's more about a body language and verbal delivery issue. You know, once you internalize your content, this, is, this comes back to practice. Once you practice it, Dr. Jill Taylor, who uh, did a marvelous presentation called My Stroke of Insight, it's been viewed well over 10 million times on TED.com. She told me that she had practiced 200 times. Wow. So practice is important. As you practice, you internalize it. And then you can start focusing on body language and delivery what am I, how am I going to use my hands, my gestures? Where am I going to, how am I going to use my eye contact? What am I going to do with my voice? Am I going to lower my voice during a certain part of my presentation? Am I going to raise my voice? Am I going to speed up the, the, the pace of my delivery? Am I going to slow it down? Am I going to pause for impact? Everything about, the, those are the nuances that really take a present, anybody 
can take the same content, the same slides, the same message, but the way it's delivered is going to be significantly different. I think you guys understand that. And that's going to be based on how you practice. So you have to practice deliberately. You have to practice effectively. That was pure gold. I'm so glad you went that way with that question because I've always wondered that. Brene Brown, we've interviewed her. She's one of my favorite TED Talks, the one she gave. And I'm like, it looks like she didn't even practice. She is literally having a conversation with me. And I've always wondered do they and, and Jill Bolte Taylor, I, I I've watched hers a million times too, and I'm like, do they practice or are they just that good? <laughs> Two hundred times. That makes me feel good. Times. It really does. It makes me feel good inside. Well, Carmine, I know we've kept you on longer than we thought, but I, I love this stuff. I mean, obviously you can teach it because you can get your message across in such a great way and people can benefit from it. We really appreciate it. I wanted to give you the opportunity. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they pick up your tips and and read your books? And you write for so many different places. Where can they find you? The best place, the best source where you can get all my information is simply by going to my website, which is CarmineGallo.com. Uh, shouldn't be too hard to forget. It's a good Italian name. <laughs> uh, so uh, Carmine, C-A-R-M-I-N-E, Gallo, G-A-L-L-O.com. You can sign up for my list, which goes out twice a month, and I send out exclusive videos and content. And from there, you can reach um, reach uh, my books and some of my the other content that, that I produce. That's fantastic. And, and we'll put links to your, your books as well as your website and some of the things that you mentioned in the show on smartpeoplepodcast.com. So, we have a special landing page just for the new book. It's talkliketed.com. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Carmine Gallo. You know, Carmine really has such an amazing message about passion, something that both Chris and I really resonate with and just absolutely love hopefully you guys loved it as well yeah this is the section of the show where we are allowed to do what we want because i mean really we can do it on the whole show but we're trying to keep the intro short keep the interviews great and then if you want to be friends of ours you can listen afterwards so i don't really know exactly if i have anything fantastic to talk about but what do you guys think? I mean, we, we've really stepped up our email game. When people email us, we've been carrying on conversations. We've been learning about, hey, uh, I want to hear from this guest. Here's why. And then we reach out and then we tell you, we're going to talk to your guys. So shoot us an email at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think or who you want to hear from. Yeah, connect with us any way that you can, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, email. We're never too busy to read your guys' messages and communicate back and forth. And if you want us to talk about a certain subject, let us know. If you want us to talk to people, let us know that too. You know what's cool is John is unemployed right now, and I have now gone 60% at my current job to dedicate more time to this and efforts similar. So we're really living what we preach, if you will. You know, we, we're all about passion. We're all about doing what you, you believe in. Not being lazy. None of, none of us are being lazy. John's teaching himself how to be like Mark Zuckerberg, basically. But to really do what you're put on this earth for. So just wanted to say that it's fun and we're hoping to pour more of our hearts and souls into the podcast 
and really reap the rewards in 2014. Yeah, you know, if you've got a hobby or some type of passion project that you've been doing, put a little bit more effort into it and see if you can turn it into something that you can do professionally or even, I guess, as an amateur and try to make a little money from it because there's nothing better than getting paid for something that you love to do as opposed to ripping yourself out of your bed. Even if it's only five bucks. I I recently listened to somebody, it was an executive coach, talking about how when you can put then your name and then the title CEO or founder or whatever, even if it's, you know, I make pencils.com, but you're the, it changes the way you think about, you know, your purpose. And I think that's a, that's a big thing. So I don't know. It's just a thought. Yeah. It actually makes you feel like you have a purpose. Yeah. And that's the meaning of life. Is it? You're welcome guys. <laughs> and we solved drop the mic. <laughs> All right, that's enough rambling. Thanks for listening. SmartPeoplePodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Head on over to iTunes. Subscribe. Leave comments. We love you. See you guys next week.